Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's hat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we are live. And you can let your fingers do the walk, and then you can pick up your phone right now, and you can call 646 668 and you can join in all the zany conversation that we're going to have tonight because guess what? Lower Decks is back, baby! That's right. Lower Decks, season three, episode one, which aired last Thursday. Episode two was on today. I watched it with Martok. It was great. We'll talk about that next week. And this is to give all you guys that listen around the globe an opportunity to see the episode before you tune in to us. So that's by design that we're a week behind. And we do that with Discovery. We do that with Picard. We do that with Prodigy. So we're just staying on our regular schedule. So that's right. Lower Decks is back. We're going to be talking about Grounded. And we get to visit Bozeman, Montana. And we have a lot of uh, uh, Easter eggs to talk about. And we we get to uh, see what's going on with some of our uh, favorite and not so favorite characters from Star Trek. So you definitely want to hang around for that one. Uh, we also have Shatner says, what? We have a uh, character from TNG who's coming back on season three. I wonder who that could be, but wait, there's more Michelle Nichols. Her uh, ashes are going into space. We're going to talk about that as well. We have our Star Trek birthdays. We have our Star Trek shout-outs, of course. And we have our convention calendar. So we have a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, Very busy show. Unfortunately, Charles will not be with us tonight. So it's yours truly, Uncle Jim, and my trifecta from Portland. And we'll start off with David. How are you doing tonight, David? Hey, am I coming in choppy still? Yes, you are. You're perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing good. <laughs> did, did you bring the donuts? No, unfortunately. Oh, man. We're going to have to change your name then. And we also have with okay. us from Portland, we have Paul the Toy Guy. He did that excellent <laughs> show on Monday about the Playmates issue. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check that out, please do. He opens them live on the radio and, and breaks them all down. So check that out. The toy chest. How you doing tonight, Paul? Brother, I'm doing great. It's been a really good week. Uh, lots of interesting stuff going on. Uh, 
just uh, just great. It's a, a new month. It's September. It's uh, pointing into fall. My favorite season. So things are looking good. Yeah, they definitely are. And last but definitely not least, also from Portland, we have Eric. How you doing, Eric? I am doing okay. It is Trek Talking Thursday, and that makes me happy. It is. It is. Uh, I, I'm really psyched about tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. I think I've watched this episode four times already to try to wring all the Easter eggs out of it that I possibly could find. And I think I did a pretty good job. We'll find out when we get to the episode review. So anyways, guys, uh, as I said, it, it is Thursday night, September 1st, 2022. It is currently 734 PM. And, um, we go to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. And at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper. All you need to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, 20 lucky listeners just like you. And if there's a heart next to your name, that means that you're going to be mentioned personally on a fan shout-out. And you want to tune into the next show so you can hear your name. So, Eric... Why don't you start us off with our uh, fan shout-outs for tonight? Our, our Absolutely. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Uwe Danowski, all the way from Cologne, Germany. Hello, Uwe. Thank you so much for listening to us and holding down the fort right there in the center of Europe. We really appreciate it. We're also saying hello this week to Kamiko Krasinski, uh, uh, Christina. Sorry, I practiced that, and I still got it wrong. <laughs> Kiminte Christina from Hungary. Uh, I've never been to Hungary, but I understand that my wife's got some family there, so maybe one of these days I'll make it there. Thank you so much for listening to us all the way from Hungary. We're also saying hello this week to Daniel Denhart from Germany. Gives us a nice big smiley face. Hello, Daniel, and kapla to you. Hello also to Carol Korakianti from Glasgow, Scotland, who sends us a little bit of a heart. And uh, Carol's listening to us from the Highlands there. Thank you so much for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to Michael Malloy outside of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, That's up around the way from where I'm from. Hello, Michael, and thanks for listening from Illinois. Thomas Logan is listening to us all the way from Carlsbad, California. Thanks for holding down the West Coast with Charles and Paul and David and I. Carlsbad is a very nice place. Thanks, Thomas. Monty Doran is saying hello from Thomasboro, Illinois, another Illinoisan. Hello, Monty. Thank you for listening to us from there. And my final fan shout-out this week goes out to Betsy Schwinninger, all the way from Maryland. Got some family out there as well. Uh, David, who's on your list this week? Hi, looks like I have a top fan. I'm going to give a top fan shout-out to Keith Shari from Virginia. And then uh, Deanna Hoffman from Wisconsin, USA. <clears throat> and my next one is uh, Vince Woodard from Indianapolis, Indiana. And my last and final one is Rick Wilkin from Marietta, Georgia. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> uh, Paul, who's on your list? Well, my friend, we have a very Eurocentric uh, gathering here happening this week. We have, first of all, in phenomenally wonderful Italy, uh, greetings to superfan Turi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's Turi in Italy. 
what a fantastic place to be hanging one's hat. I hope you are uh, doing well, and thank you so much for uh, being a fan of our program and our, our, our group. Greetings also in the lovely Netherlands, with the Netherlands flag flying proudly to Angelique Gruis Kruit. Thank you so much for reaching out and saying hello, and thanks for being a fan. Greetings also to Peter Adriaens in Herant. Uh, Herant is a municipality in Belgium, and a lovely, lovely place by all accounts. So thank you, Peter, for saying hello. I see that flag billowing in the wind even from here. And uh, my pronunciation on this next one might be a little sketchy, friends, so I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, I'm a little rusty with my Greek. Uh, I can see all the old professors uh, just shaking in their boots. <laughs> yeah, or not so silently as the case may be. Uh, you know, but I want to say, I want to say, because I know I see a Greek flag, and I know we're yeah. in Athens, and we're talking yeah. the cradle of civilization. You know what you don't want to do? You don't want to mispronounce someone's heritage from the cradle of civilization. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I flunked Latin, but did okay in Greek. Pepetis kai ompes. Wow. Good job. Pepetis kai ompes in Athens, wow. Greece. Thank you for uh, you know putting up with us. <laughs> In humble America here. Um, I know a lot of fine craftsmen uh, who do a lot of wonderful diorama work in Greece. I don't know if you know any of them or if you're one of them yourself, but uh, all I know is for about as long as there's been civilization, there has been wonderful uh, writing and wonderful craftsmanship and wonderful humanity coming out of Greece. So thank you uh, for including Star Trek and your enthusiasm for it in your uh, Wonderful uh, lineage that we have there. So thank you, Pepetes. And Jim, I'm going to pass the uh, baton over to you, sir. Well, I apologize because whenever that happens, I always go to translation and put it in English. And for, I don't know why, but it didn't translate when I copied it from our Facebook page to our notes. It didn't translate it into English. So that's my fault. I apologize for that. But you nailed it, though. I think you nailed it. I don't know Greece, <laughs> but, I, I, but I think you nailed it. It sounded good to me. Oh, <laughs> hey, you know, we're like uh, Trek talking is like a miniature United Nations, right? We, we we're a global uh, we're a global production, and uh, it's uh, I, I I don't know. It's just one of the things I love every week, friends, is the fact that we get to have a little communication with people who are fellow fans. Doesn't that make you feel like you're part of something bigger? When we have all Absolutely. these fans who, who it's like, that's just really exciting to me, right? It's just like we have that common uh, sense of belonging, I think, that, that is great. You hear, okay, I'm in Mississippi. I'm in Greece. I'm in Australia. I'm in the Yukon Territory. And there's Star Trek yep. fans everywhere who are doing the same thing we do. I think it's wonderful. I love that. I, I think it's great, too, and we welcome them all to our Star Trek family. So um, I want to send a, a thank you. To our top fan, Dewey Hatton, who's listening in M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, the old Mississippi, the mighty miss. So thank you, Dewey, for listening to us from Mississippi. I also want to say kapla to Mike Gentile, who's listening to us in California, IA. So thank you for listening, Mike. And top fan, Bruce Gold, who's listening in Philadelphia. Thank you so much, Bruce. 
And last, but definitely not least, he gives us a live long and prosper. He gives us a smiley face and a big old American flag. And Kevin Connolly from Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Kevin, for tuning in and listening to us. We really appreciate it. As I said earlier, if you guys would like to hear your name on a future fan shout out, it's very, very simple. Head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. While you're there, give us a like. And uh, just tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart from yours truly. And then tune into the next podcast and hear your name broadcast around the whole globe as not only a member of our Star Trek family, but that you yourself are a Star Trek fan. So please, please do that. And uh, before we move on to our birthdays, though, we have a caller on the line. And if I can get this thing to work, sometimes it doesn't. There we go. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Dave Hello? Ray, how you guys doing? Hey, Ray, hey. what's up, buddy? And uh, so I took so I thought I've been out, man. I just I just thought back to work for my law vacation. And, I, you know, so I just got back here a little while ago. So I was giving you guys a shout out to make sure, you know, I have not been missing. I'm I'm, I'm okay. No, nope, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're back from vacation and that you called. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm alright. I'm alright. I'm fine. You know, what I'm saying two months. I go. I go work back to the schools again, like I've been doing for the past 18 years. Next month, next month will be 18 years. The board is for 18 years now. Yes, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all, Ray? Yes, I am Aren't old. We? I am old. I am old. I am old like a fossil. <laughs> I mean, for real, I feel, I feel, like I said, you watch the rest of the park, you probably see me on the fossil, say, oh, my God, it might be right, right there. Yeah, it might be me right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not so too old. To this week. That's a good thing. Well, 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 I'm, well I'm 49 years old. I, I don't even look it, but I'm 49 years old. Wow. Well, you're, you're, yeah. you're hanging. You're doing good. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right so far. Yeah, so um, how you guys doing this week? I'm not going to be on the phone that long, but how you guys doing this week? You guys doing all right? Yeah, we're, we're doing good. Lower Decks is back. We had a little little break. Now we're talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. So we're, we're doing good. We're moving along. The Mets the Mets are on fire. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, you have to tell me that. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like the, it's like every year they do the same exact thing. Once it goes around, September goes to the World the World Series. It's like, like this every time. They're coming up, and then we close to the World Series, and they're going to walk back down. But the only thing I hate about around this year is because I watch football, too. So it's like, you know, I had, to, I had to go back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, Well, Ray, let me ask you a question. Who's your football yeah, team? Who's your Who's your football team? Jets, Giants? Bill? No, 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 no. Our territory. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Like I said, like I said, I used to be a Jets. No, I used I was a Dallas um, Giants fan during the time when um, what's your name was there? Oh, sweet. Oh, like you know, like back in the nineties. You know, I forgot his name, but it come back up. You know that that's how I became a diehard Jets fan. I mean, I got a Giants fan. And after a while, you know, it, it, you know, it, it went off. It, it went off. It's kind of like me watching the Raiders. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I was a Jets fan uh, back when Joe Namath was was their quarterback, and I'm still a Jets fan. I, and uh, Jets and Mets, those are my teams. I figured that much, but thank God my mother do not watch football. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta. Right. I, gotta I gotta work my door. I gotta. I gotta go. So listen, I'm, I'm, I'm listen, guys. Um, what's that? Uh, that page you talking about? I could be uh, one of the, the fan thing. Was it again? For the for the fan shout outs. Yes. Yeah. So uh, are you on Facebook? Well, I'm not. I'm not. On, I mean, I mean, I'm not on Facebook. No, no, I'm not on it. I mean, I, I go through it. I got. I got Facebook. I'm not on it. So I got to, I got, so I got to you, go to Facebook. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You don't say. You don't say what's up. My profile picture, everything is there. But you don't say. But I, I don't say nothing out there. I just go through it. Well, if you go to Facebook and you type and you go to a search and you look for Trek Talking, you'll find us. And if you go there, you give us a like. Our page will open up and you'll see the Live Long and Prosper on the top of the page. And just pop in there. Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, tell us it's Ray from the Bronx and that you're listening to the show. And then, well, everybody already knows that because we're talking right now. But, uh, yeah, okay. we can, you know, you'll be in the fan, in the fan shout outs. Okay, I, I, okay, I, I do, I, I do right now. So, that's it. you guys have a blessed night. Enjoy your night. You know what I'm saying? I'll you guys, of course, uh, I'll give you guys um, soon, okay? You, you guys enjoy All right, okay? thanks. All right. Have thanks, a good time. Anytime, anytime. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye, Ray. All okay. right, guys, that's Ray from the Bronx. So it's, it's great to hear from Ray. And uh, we're going to take a very, very, very quick um, commercial break here because we still have so much more to talk about. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi there. This is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash and beyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. And we're back. You know, Eric, I kind of missed those, those, those Trek Conderoga spots that you did because I thought they were spot on. Yeah, we but, might um, have to come up with some other commercials to record here just to get my voice on the air even more than it already is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, so this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and that means we have to have our birthday song. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, and we always start off our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering seven members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. Uh, Our very first remembrance goes out to actor uh, Georgia Schmidt, who, of course, played the very first illusion we ever saw 
Well, yeah, I guess the one, first one we ever saw, but we wouldn't see it till later, In the Cage, TOS's episode, wow. The Cage. Uh, Georgia Schmidt was in there, and uh, the thing that I really love about the Telosians is they're supposed to be uh, gender neutral, right? So they, they have uh, females playing them, often with male voices, um, and Georgia, of course, did a great job. Um, she was also had many other uh, television credits throughout the 60s and 70s, um, including she was on The Monkees. And I, <laughs> I had a girlfriend back in high school who was obsessed with that show. So I've seen an inordinate number of Monkees episodes, including ones featuring Georgia Schmidt. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to actress Georgia Schmidt. And at some point in her life, she spent some time here in Portland. I did not know that. Do you know anymore? Well, about she that? was in. Uh, she had a role in Kansas City Bomber with Raquel Welsh, and a lot of people don't realize Kansas City Bomber. A lot of it was shot in Portland. Ah, there you go, dropping knowledge. It's Thank gotta you, Paul. Got to be something in the water or the donut. One <laughs> of the I, I have to tell you, there a lot of good things come out of Portland. There's no question. <laughs> Uh, we're also saying uh, happy birthday and sending our love out this week to Janet McLean who played Lieutenant Charlene Masters in TOS's episode, The Alternative Factor. Um, and she made her debut way back in the day on the Alfred Hitchcock Hour in 1965. And, you know, she's a pretty minor character in that episode, but uh, like Uhura, uh, great to see a black woman on the bridge with a natural hairdo um, and just, like, looking forward to what the future might look like. And uh, I hope we're still heading that way, folks. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Janet McLaughlin. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and sending out our love this week to actor Noble Willingham. Uh, Noble, of course, is kind of known for playing one of those Texas guys uh, and uh, kind of funny because he was actually born in Texas. Um, he eventually made his way to California for acting reasons, but uh, he was known as a politically conservative guy, actually ran uh, for Texas uh, office once upon a time for Congress, uh, did not win, but uh, had several acting and political aspirations. So happy birthday to Noble Willingham. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Vanita Wolf. Uh, Vanita Wolf, one of my many childhood crushes. <laughs> she, of course, played... <laughs> Yeoman Teresa Ross uh, in TOS's episode, The Squire of Gothos, uh, had one of those amazing 60s hairdos back in the day, uh, kind of piled on top of the head. Um, she was all over the place. She had uh, several acting credits, was also a model, had numerous beauty contests, wins back in the day. Um, so, yeah, quite the looker. She was even in an issue of Playboy. Oh, my goodness. So, Vanita L. Wolf would have had a birthday this week and happy birthday and remembrances going out to her. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love to Christopher Collins. And I'm surprised Jim gave me this one, but I'm guessing it's because it's a remembrance. He is in Silvacore now. He, uh, he was, uh, I believe he had four appearances uh, over the course of TNG and deep space nine, but the two that he's kind of the most famous for we're, of course, playing the Klingon Captain Cargan in TNG's episode, Matter of Honor. Fantastic episode. Uh, he's that Klingon that kind of has the, uh, I don't know, his front teeth stick out a little bit. That's how I always think about him. And even his attack wing card has that kind of same look. 
So Captain Cargan uh, from Matter of Honor. And he was also uh, in TNG's episode, The Samaritan Snare, as Grebnalog. So happy birthday. Alpaca. Wow, good pronunciation. Uh, I would have never got that in a hundred yeah. years. <laughs> and I Jesus. love that episode because it's the episode that leads us into so much of what's going on these days in Lower Decks, right? The Packlets mm. have made a return, and there's Packlets all over Lower Decks. So there you go. That's our connection. This dude's done so much voiceover work, man. It's frightening. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, he was in Cobra the- Commander on G.I. Joe. Oh yeah, yeah. GI Joe Simpsons. I I think he was. Uh, he also played. Uh, he was in the episode The Passenger, uh, DS9. He was also yeah. in DS9 Blood Oath as one of the other kind of random aliens. So um, yeah, somebody who's yeah. got a storied Star Trek history. Uh, so happy birthday to Chris Collins. We're also sending out our love and remembrances to actress Eve Smith. Uh, she played the elderly patient from the Mercy Hospital in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Um, and according to her obituary, she was actually briefly involved in vaudeville way back in the early 20s, which I think is great because so many of those Star Trek actors, in particular William Shatner, kind of came out of that tradition, which is partly why. He speaks like that. He just is used to kind of overacting everything, right? Uh, so uh, Vaudeville pumped out a lot of talent, and Eve Smith, uh, a minor part, but in the background, and definitely contributed uh, to that episode. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to Eve. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Merritt Buttrick. And if you do not know who he is, then you need to uh, watch your movies over again. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Perfect soundbite would suggest, of course, Merritt Buttrick was most famous for playing uh, Son of Kirk, uh, David David Kirk, uh, uh, David Marcus, excuse me, and he was both in Star Trek II and in Star Trek III uh, as that role. Unfortunately, of course, perishing in Star Trek III, spoiler alert. Um, he also came back later on in the Next Generation years uh, in the episode Symbiosis, which we've talked about a few times, particularly during our uh, Gender in Star Trek episode. He played Tijan in that episode. So uh, definitely somebody whose face is well known in Star Trek. And uh, unfortunately, we lost him way too early. Um, he died at the age of 29 from complications from AIDS uh, back in 89. So... Uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Merritt Buttrick. And that wraps up our remembrances for this week. So, David, would you like to kick us off on the birthdays for folks who are still with us? Yeah. Uh, so my first birthday goes out to Catherine Leigh Scott. Uh, she played the character uh, Nuria. Uh, from the TNG episode, Who Watches the Watchers? Uh, Can I just say that that is like one of the all-time yeah. best episodes it really of is. Next Gen ever. <laughs> if, 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 yeah. if people aren't familiar with it, I just got to 
grab the, the emergency brake. It is so Star Trek. It is just amazing. And Catherine Lee Scott, I don't know if folks uh, necessarily know, but uh, she was iconic in the classic show Dark Shadows, okay, mm-hmm. as, as Maggie Evans. I mean, what a, what a presence. I mean, when I remember when first time I saw Who Watches the Watchers, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Catherine Lee Scott. I couldn't look. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. She looked like she had an age of frickin' day. I mean, it was just like it's, you know, 25 <laughs> years later, and she's just amazing, such a tremendous actor. Uh, I mean, done a ton of stuff uh, and everything. But if, if there's any Trek fans who have not watched that episode, <clears throat> wow. I mean, she, she's, the, she's the main character. I mean, she's the heart of it. She represents Star Trek in that episode like there's no tomorrow. Really. Yeah, and, and Paul, I'd say that the reason, like one of the main reasons that that episode is so good is because it, it never answers the question of whether it's okay, what's going on, right? It's kind of like it always leaves you with a question, and I think all yeah. Star Trek doesn't answer its own questions. Yeah, it's like when, you know, she goes to Picard, and she's like, you know, wait a minute, you don't have mastery over life and death? And he's just basically like, no, there's still a lot of stuff we just don't know. Yep. You know, yep. just to be just to have to, like, you know, admit that, you know, with all everything we have, in some ways we're not that dissimilar from you. And I was just like, that's freaking writing. I was just so great. So, uh, sorry, I just had to interject because I just love that show, that episode so much. And she's just a treasure, uh, Catherine Lee Scott. Man, uh, phenomenal actress. I have to watch it again. It's been a while since I've yeah, seen that episode. It's really <laughs> great, man. You'll you'll love it. It's 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 top dollar. That's one of those reasons that I always start people who haven't seen Star Trek before in season three because Who Watches the Watchers is like the third or fourth episode, and all the like the first half dozen episodes of that season are all so good. Hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So my second uh, birthday shout out. Uh, well. Yeah, I guess a shout out. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Dee Bradley Baker, who played most from the new Star Trek series, Prodigy. Excellent. Uh, and the third one is Peter Mensa, who plays the character Green. I think it's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Green. From the yeah. Enterprise. Okay, from the Enterprise episode Demons and Terra Prime. So is that two, two separate episodes? It's two separate, two separate episodes, ep- but they're but they're connected, and it, honestly, yeah. two of the best episodes of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just hope that uh, they can actually continue this uh, Enterprise series. Uh, so my next uh, final shout out uh, for birthdays is uh, Ellen Wergear. Uh, she plays the character Dr. Keela Marr from the TNG episode Silicon Avatar. Wow. And uh, Paul, who's on your list? Oh, man, I got some good ones on here, brother. Are you ready? I'm excited. First of all... <laughs> well, you better have I'm three ex- hands ready for this next one because yeah, you're going to need a cup of coffee. Right I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited because, first of all, I'd like to give a huge happy birthday to uh, charismatically wonderful actress uh, Lysia Naff, okay? And people are like, wow, Lysia Naff is enjoying what I have got to call a tremendous resurgence right now because she first originated the character of uh, Sonia Gomez, famously spilling hot chocolate on Captain Picard in the, the iconic next-gen episode q who where we first met the board right we're having a little bit of light comedy to start the episode before things get about as dark as they can get 
<laughs> we meet the Borg, man. And she's great. She's so great. She also appeared in, uh, in an episode of Samaritan Snare and now is coming up again in uh, Lower Decks episodes as Captain Lysian right? So it's yep. really exciting. I mean, Captain Sonny Captain Gomez. Gomez. Sorry, I'm, yep. I'm letting the actress uh, dominate the fictional person. But uh, yep. Captain <laughs> Sonia Gomez. But, uh, you know, that happens. Reality is really challenging for me. Uh, but wonderful actress, uh, does, uh, made, I believe, the start of her career as a, as a dancer and uh, has been in both uh, movies like uh, Total Recall and Lethal Weapon. She's been around the block a long time, and it's super cool that she has returned to uh, a Star Trek character here. So uh, welcome back and happy birthday, Lysia. Happy birthday all to, also to Arnold Lessing, who played uh, Carlisle. In the original series episode, The Changeling, uh, Nomad, coordinate. <laughs> Your facts are uncoordinated. Yes, Arnold <laughs> Leslie. I, I never, when I see a Lieutenant Carlisle in an episode like that, I'm like, dude, you probably came to a bad end. I don't know. But, uh, you know I don't know if you're a red shirt or not, but uh, I noticed there weren't any other episodes, so maybe. But it seems like Nomad, people who encountered him didn't do so well. So. I am just delighted to have this next one on my list of birthdays because uh, as a young lad, I was like, there is no more tantalizing actress walking the earth than Deborah Van Valkenburg. Okay. And Deborah Van Valkenburg uh, is, we're honoring her Star Trek connection here through uh, playing care of Preston, Deep Space Nine's classic episodes, Past Tense Part Two, which we talked about just a few months ago uh, on this show where we were uh, reviewing past tense and fabulous deep space nine episode had a lot to do with uh, uh, some similar themes we saw about on uh, uh, Picard this year, but Deborah Van Valkenburg, man, she has been around forever and iconically, I'm sorry. It's one of the great movies of all time. I love seventies movies. Like there is no tomorrow, man. I just love them. And in 1979, she played uh, the character of Mercy in the classic Walter Hill gang movie, The Warriors. And I wish I had three beer bottles to click together on my fingers here because I would be going, Warriors! Warriors! Deborah Van Valkenburg, okay? She's been in, like, everything. She's been in Streets of Fire, uh, TV series in the 80s, a lot of us watch called Too Close for Comfort. Um, tons and tons and tons of stuff. Um, really, really great. Um, doesn't work as much that I see these days as I wish, but uh, great presence and uh, dynamite actress. So, uh, Deborah Van Valkenburg, you rock. It's quite that simply. Happy birthday. Hope you're rocking hard. Next up, also, child of the 70s that I am, uh, David Soul. Okay, David, the great David Soul. That TOS episode, uh, The Apple, which we uh, often joke a little bit about with the great big dinosaur head, right? He was the first and most prominent of the natives there servicing that weird dinosaur cave god, Makora, right? Uh, He was one of the most promised. Uh, He was the one who had the love interest, if I remember, right? He was super prominent. And, uh, but, you know, David Soul, we're always going to know him as Hutch on the TV series Starsky and Hutch. Uh, David Soul was also a, a, a singer, had a good singing career there for a while, um, where he had some pretty popular hits that uh, were made it on radio airplay. He was definitely dominating that era. And I got to tip my hat to this one because 
David Soule was the star of the phenomenal made-for-TV series movie Salem's Lot, which, if you're a Stephen oh King fan, is yeah. just the greatest. Yeah, he's the main character, right? He is the main character in Salem's Lot, and I think he did a terrific job. That's a, you know, everyone, there's a, every, everything gets remade that Stephen King does, right? Because that much time has gone by. I know they're trying to get another uh, Salem's Lot remake going, but nobody's gonna be able to match. Uh, what David Soul did. I think he was just perf- right actor, you know, at the right time up against like James Mason and Lance Henriksen and uh, in that picture. Really, really great. So David Soul, happy birthday. I hope you're enjoying life, my friend. And then uh, finally, just watched this episode recently. And this dude is a hell of an actor. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday indeed to actor Anthony Call, who played Lieutenant Bailey in the original series episode, The Corbinite, Corbamite Maneuver, right? He's the uh, navigator who is basically maybe a little bit in over his head, all right? And he's just freaking out big time at all of the, you know, the, the jeopardy that they're in and the idea of this huge spaceship and this terrifying presence, Baylock, right? And he just loses it to the point that at one point, Kirk's like, you're relieved, get off my bridge. Right. But it's a really good performance. I mean, he is just terrific and full of emotion and uh, very compelling. And it's a great uh, first season episode and a great first season performance. So happy birthday to all you phenomenal folks uh, who have had a birthday this week. Uh, We all are just delighted to have you in the Star Trek universe. Jim, I'm going to pass it over to you, brother. Yeah, I've got some really good ones here. Uh, First and foremost, we want to say happy birthday to Chris Pine who, of course, plays James T. Kirk in the Kelvin Universe movies. And, of course, he's the son of who? Of Mr. Pine. <laughs> and, and Mr. Pine was on Chips. You guys would know him as the captain from Chips. Yep. So happy birthday to Chris Pine. Uh, and I grabbed this one just because, you know, I'm into music. But we want to say happy birthday to Jeff Russo. And Jeff Russo is the composer for Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. So I think he's doing a great job with all those theme songs. Happy birthday to Jeff Russo. Next, we want to say happy birthday to David Pimer, who plays Dr. Maris Benyon from Picard's episode, Maps and Legends. We want to say happy birthday to Ken Jenkins, who played Paul Stubbs in TOG's episode, evolution and i always get the klingons and i always do them last and it's been a while since they had a klingon but i got a good one this time i have a klingon that we actually talked about at trek conderoga when we were there i want to say happy birthday to rosanna de soto who played as a boar in star trek 60 undiscovered country and uh why did we talk about her because she was <laughs> Yep, go because ahead. because women can actually be chancellor. Everybody thinks that Klingon women can't be chancellors, but we've had at least two in Star Trek canon, and she was the first. That's right. So we were talking about chancellors, and her name came up. So happy birthday to Rosanna DeSoto. And that finishes off our birthdays, guys. And now it's time for a segment that we call Convention.
We lost Jim there, but I'm going to assume he has now handed the reins over to me to start the convention calendar. So our very first convention this week is NukeCon. <laughs> That's right. NukeCon is going to be September 23rd through the 25th at the beautiful Mid-America Center at Council Bluffs, Iowa. So go check out NukeCon. We're also tracking the Flower City Comic Con September 24th through the 25th at the Total Sports Experience in beautiful Rochester, New York. We're also tracking the Memphis Comic Expo September 24th through the 25th at the Agri Center International in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm going to slip another one in under the radar because it's just coming up in about nine days. Rose City Comic Con here in beautiful Portland at the Convention Center. Uh, Paul, Paul and I are going to be there, so come check it out with us. Don't forget to bring your truck talking cards. I'm bringing them, and I'm bringing the magnets, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's pulling right. out the magnets, guys. He pulling means out business. The magnets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, what do you got on your list? All right, the first one I got is RetroCon 2022 from September 24th to 25th uh, at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Second one is Savannah Comic Con from September 24th and the 25th at uh, Savannah Convention Center over at Savannah, Georgia. Uh, The next Timmin, Timmin, uh, September 24th to the 25th over at Mc... I'm not even trying to pronounce that. Someone help me. Community building, I'm assuming, at Timmins, Ontario in Canada. Uh, Paul, who's on your list? All right, my friends, first of all, September 25th, it's time to saddle up, grab a slice of deep dish pizza, and head yourself over to G-Con, Chicago's Southside Comic Con. That's right, at the Orland Park Civic Center in Orland Park, Illinois, G-Con is going down. So I highly recommend that you get there and check it out. Uh, Again, that's September 25th. It's promises to be absolutely fantastic all kinds of comic book luminaries are showing up there looks like a heck of a great time so if you're in the chicago area don't miss out you'll have to get some airfare for this one unless you happen to live in uh, in europe but in uh, Binz, germany uh september 29th to october 2nd you can attend rugen furcon 2022 it is uh Absolutely. Uh, well, what can we say? Uh, Furcons can be interesting, uh, I would say. Uh, Furcons are, are folks who certainly don't have an issue uh, with uh, heat and being uh, encased in large, uh, heavy costumes, if you will. Um, it's their conventions to help uh, uh, embrace living characters, I think is the best way to say it. But Furcon, uh, from judging from the photos I've seen from past Furcons, it's uh, Quite the amazing experience. So if you are in Kurhaus, Binz, Binz, Germany, early part of uh, October, late part of September, uh, I don't think you want to miss this. Uh, Who knows what could happen to you. So definitely go check it out. And lastly, for me, September 30th to October 2nd in Texas, it's BonsaiCon 2022. 
September 30th to October 2nd, uh, same date, South Padre Island Convention Center at the Holiday Inn Resort on South Padre Island on the beachfront, South Padre Island, Texas. That's it for me. Passing things over to you, Jim. Well, we'd like to let you guys know about Lone Star Game Expo, September 30th to October 2nd at Grapevine Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas. Next on the list, we have Monster Mania, September 30th to October 2nd at Delta Hotels, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I've been to this convention, guys, and i got to tell you, this one's a lot of fun. If you're looking for somewhere to just hang out and have some fun, Monster Mania is the one for you. It's great. And last but not least on my list, we have Super Mega Fest, September 30th to October 2nd at the Westford Regency Inn Conference Center in Westford, Massachusetts. I've also been to this one, and uh, this one is a, is a lot of fun as well. You definitely, if you're in the area, head out to that one. And that finishes up our convention calendar, guys. Uh, we're going to take a, a very, very quick but very important commercial break. When we come back, we have Star Trek news. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Okay, we're back. We're live. Number six four six 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 eight two four three three. If it's Thursday night where you are, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, you can pick up the phone and you can call six four six 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 eight two four three three, and you can join in our conversation. We've got some Star Trek news, and uh, we're going to dive right into Lower Decks Grounded. So if you're interested in that, give us a call and join the conversation. But right now, it's time for Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, Eric, and... uh. You've got your favorite. Start us off. Yep, I get to start out this week with my favorite section, Shatner Says. What? That's right. At 91 years old, William Shatner says he's still on a search for the thrill. At 91 years old, the Star Trek alum holds a lifetime of claims to fame, but he says he hasn't slowed his constant search for the thrill. Quote, My life seems to be full of all kinds of new experiences, the Canadian actor said. Certainly having the Captain Kirk moniker under his belt opened a few doors for the Hollywood adventurer. In fact, last year he plunged into the depths of the ocean to swim with tiger sharks for a documentary before rocketing into space aboard Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin flight. Both journeys offered him a different world perspective and magnified his view of the need for action on climate change. Quote, We're beginning to feel the effects of global warming, and there's still people who say, well, it's not going to happen. Well, it is going to happen. And that strident message needs to be out there all the time. Every time I have a chance to talk about it, I talk about it. Shatner's role as a real-life spaceman captured the attention of the world last October 
when Bezos recruited the fictional leader of, Star- of the Starship Enterprise as one of the real-life crew members on his Blue Origin trip. The flight lasted just over 10 minutes, but as cameras rolled in the West Texas desert, Shatner emerged from the vessel clearly shaken and for a moment seeming to struggle for words. He described the feeling he had as the blackness of space encroached upon the ship, telling Bezos he thought, whoa, that's death. That's what I saw. So there you go. That's our Shatner says what. He's always looking for a thrill. And uh, it is kind of fun to watch the video of him after he came down from space. Uh, If you haven't had a chance, you can Google that up and and check it out. Um, I have to say, I don't think I would react any differently had I just been shot into space. That is a once in a lifetime thing. And uh, thank you, Jeff, for using Shatner as your publicity stunt because it allowed us all of these great Shatnerisms. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, talk about a giant hit of adrenaline. I was just like, uh, he oh was my gosh, like, can you even imagine? Like, oh my yeah. god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. He was just like completely like, wow. There's just and nothing I, could prepare you. And I really th- and I can't remember who it was. Was it you, Paul, who a couple of weeks was talking about uh, the Carl Sagan book, Pale Blue Dot, where, you know, I, if I ever get that the chance to look back upon the earth from space, I want to do it because I really feel like that puts it in perspective, man. You realize that we're just like this little tiny dot out in the middle of a big, big sea of mostly nothing. Uh, and I think that that's the sentiment that Shatner was kind of going for here. When he says, whoa, that's death, I don't think he means death per se. I think he just means nothing. basically means oblivion. So uh, thank you, Shatner, for continuing once again to provide content for our podcast. Paul, what would you like to talk to us about? Oh, I'm excited to talk about this one. Okay. Uh, basically, this is because we, we do love our comics, uh, and I do love my comics. So on this next one here, uh, we're going to be able to talk about being able to see Commander 7 put to the test in Star Trek Picard Stargazer Number 1. What the heck are we talking about? Friends, we're talking about comics. We're talking about comics because this week, IDW Comics launched a brand new miniseries tied to Star Trek Picard, the series. Written by Mike Johnson and Picard, writer-producer Kristen Beyer, Star Trek Picard Stargazer is set between the second season that just concluded and the upcoming third season of the television series. Angel Hernandez is doing the art, including the main covers, of which there are numerous variants. Here's a brief, relatively non-spoilery synopsis. Star Trek Picard Stargazer is the first issue of three. Embark on a never-before-seen journey set between seasons two and three of the Paramount Plus hit Star Trek Picard. After a tantalizing offer to return among the stars arises, Captain John Luke Picard takes to the bridge of the USS Stargazer. But when trouble rears its head on a once peaceful pre-war planet from his past, Picard enlists the help of an old friend. Star Trek Picard Stargazer number one was available as of yesterday, August 31st, and you can order it and pre-order individual copies at uh, all kinds of retailers like Things from Another World or Comixology, Amazon, what have you. Uh, My advice is get thee to your local comic book shop. The yep. mom and pop comic book shop is the foundation of civilization. Yep. And those folks are eking out a living as best they can. And there is just no better tradition, comics fans, than 
popping into your comic book shop uh, either on Wednesday when new books come out or once a week and going in there and rubbing elbows with other comic fans and picking up your new comics as they come out and being some of the first to read them. I mean, eventually they're going to certainly publish these three issues together as a trade paperback. If you can wait till April, I don't know. But I will tell you, I read this first issue today, and I thought it was absolutely delightful. Um, very pleasantly surprised. Um, definitely makes me ask a lot of questions about, well, will this be something I get to see in season three of Picard? I don't know. And I'm pretty sure we're talking about uh, this comic in detail in a couple of Mondays, if I'm not mistaken, Eric. Am I right about that? That's right. It's coming right up. And in fact, is it? It's not. Is it this Monday, Jim? This Monday's Labor no. Day, so we're this not Monday, doing it well. So two Mondays, a week from this Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yep. coming up on uh, Monday the twelfth. Uh, it's going to be a special comic corner, I think. Right. And, uh, Absolutely. And we'll definitely be chatting about this. But you know, massive shout out to everyone at IDW Comics because they've been keeping the Star Trek flag flying and doing all different kinds of things. There's a huge special issue coming out in a couple of weeks. It's going to be great. That's going to give us a lot of things to discuss, uh, all kinds of things that are going to be great. But definitely, um, if you haven't picked up a Star Trek comic in a while, Stargazer number one is a great way to jump back in there. Really nicely done. Uh, so good stuff. David, pass it over to you, sir. All right, cool. So my first story is... Denise Crosby and Tassiar will appear in Star Trek Picard Season 3. <clears throat> the opening day of the 56-year mission Star Trek convention in Las Vegas kicked off with an intriguing comment during the panel discussion with Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, Star Trek Denise, Denise Crosby. A fan asked Crosby if she will be part of season three of Star Trek Picard, which is bringing back the rest of her formal TNG castmates for what she billed as a send-off season. Crosby responded with what somewhat cryptic remarks regarding her TNG character of Tasha and Picard. She quotes, Oh, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm going to tell you that you will see Tasha Yar, but I'm not going to tell you how you've got to watch. End of quote. Crosby famously left TNG during the first season, frustrated with a lack of character development for Tasha Yar. She still feels leaving the show was the right decision. Wow, I'm actually kind of excited to see what kind of uh, stuff they got going on for her in that next uh, season three. Well, I, I'll tell you, I've been having some discussions on Facebook about this, and people seem to be a little bit confused and about what is happening here. But let me try to make it simple. Tashiar dies in season one. She's killed by Armis in the episode Skin of Evil. Right? Okay. Well, let's, let's move ahead to Season 3 and an episode called Yesterday's Enterprise. Um, the Enterprise is thrust into an alternate timeline when the Enterprise C is pulled into the future and isn't destroyed. Well, Tashi R is alive at that point because she's from an alternate universe and she's hanging out, doing her thing on the Enterprise D. And she falls in love with this dude who is 
Lieutenant Castile on the Enterprise C. And Guinan tells Tasha, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be dead. And Tasha just can't deal with the fact that she's dead. She goes to Jean-Luc and says, I need to go back with the crew of the Enterprise C back into the past of the Prime Universe in which she's dead. I need to go back in time and help these people. And Jean-Luc agrees, sends her on the Enterprise C, and she goes back to the regular timeline with the Enterprise C where it's presumably destroyed and it resets the timeline and everything happens as normal. Now, Tasha Yar from this alternate timeline is now back in time in the prime timeline where she died, but she's still alive because this is the alternate version of her from a future, kind of like, kind of like they did with Giorgio from the alternate universe on discovery. When we meet Sila played by Tasha Yar, she says, her mother was killed while trying to escape. And that's how they explain that Tasha looks isn't there. But can you believe anything that she tells her? Nobody, no death. There's no, we don't have a body. She's not dead. So technically the alternate Tasha Yar from the, yesterday's enterprise could be alive on Romulus right now. And uh, we don't know that she's dead for sure. So she could still be there. And that's no timey-wimey time travel stuff involved because she's already there and in the prime timeline. Did I, did I, Jim. Did I do that? I, right that, was a very, I, that was a very good <laughs> summary of why Tashi Yar could absolutely come back. Uh, so thank you for doing that. And, and, you know, I think people want more Denise Crosby. In fact, um, Roddenberry really liked Denise Crosby. I don't know if people know this or not, but, of course, she was originally cast – to be um, Counselor Deanna Troy. And Marina Sirtis was going to play the security chief, Macha Hernandez. And uh, after they <laughs> started looking into it and shooting and that kind of stuff, Roddenberry was like, actually, I think I'm going to switch these two. And I think he made the right decision. Um, I think that uh, having Yar on the bridge as a uh, uh, attractive a uh, short-haired, kick-butt woman uh, who Worf was subordinate to was much in the same vein uh, as Roddenberry had done back in the TOS days, where he elevated people who were not uh, necessarily in positions of power, such as uh, our most awesome Asian and Russian helmsmen uh, from the original series. So um, he was on it. Roddenberry was on it. He switched them. He made Denise Crosby the security chief. Um, she was killed off too early, but Jim has, of course, explained very well how we might see her again. And in fact, uh, they've updated Memory Alpha. They, whoever they are, has updated Memory Alpha to say that she has confirmed she will be in season three. So that's exciting. And everybody thought we were going to see Sila, but in right. fact, it's going to be Tasha herself. Yeah. And if you remember that episode, Picard <clears throat> asked Sila. I would like to meet your mother. So even, even in that episode, he wanted to see Tasha. So he's going to get his wish, and he's going to see Tasha. All mm-hmm. right, guys. So my story, Star Trek Picard showrunner talks Brent Spiner's mysterious character and hopes for a spinoff. I love when they talk about spinoffs. It's like 
Star Trek is a spinoff. Everything they do is a spinoff. They make it sound like it's some, some special thing, but anything other than TOS is a spinoff, right? I well, I guess I, I guess I would agree with you, Jim. I think that some people might argue that TOS and TNG are are anchors, and that things like DS9 and Voyager are spinoffs. But uh, you know, fans of Catherine Janeway may actually uh, kick me to the curb for that one as well. So, but I think we're talking about shows like you know, if they made a Fenris Rangers show, or in, right. much in the same way they made a solo movie, which was a spinoff from the Star Wars universe. If they made a specific show about a character, I think that's what they're talking about. And Picard is the best example of a spinoff for sure. Right. Well, another member of the Next Generation family who is returning in season three is Brett Spiner. However, his role is a bit of a mystery. The only clue came from executive producer Alex Kurtzman, who said at Comic-Con that Spiner plays a new old character. Matalis offered a bit more insights into why Spiner's mystery character was the only one who didn't get a special Comic-Con poster. Quote, Brent's character is specifically tied into the plot and the mythology in ways that uh, that you were to show, if you were to show a show poster, you would have a thousand more questions. And I think you want to earn it. But he plays a new old character that you've seen before and never seen before. It's, we think, a great way to do this that honors what has come before, yet treads new ground. The answer to your questions are better told in the context of the story than to say, and now, everybody, here's a link to who we think this character is. That plays out. And for those who have seen the season, they're like, I'm really glad I learned it this way and not the other way. If you see him now and got a name, there's too many questions tied to, okay, so who is that now? Whereas even as it's unfolding and you're introduced to this character, you're not quite sure. And then, as you learn more about this character, you understand that the answer is not so clear for a bit. Metallus expects works to be completed this fall, but says decisions on the release are not up to him. He does not know when Paramount is planning to release it, but he expects they're heading towards 2023. So that's a pretty cryptic explanation, don't you super, think? Super, super I can barely cryptic. follow it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, super cryptic, and if you... If you assume that when they say it's a character we've seen but not seen, uh, I mean, he's so Brent Spiner has played seven characters, seven different characters in Star Trek. So the question is, is it one of those seven characters or are they kind of like skating along the edge and it's going to be a new character that's tied to one of those seven characters? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. My best guess is that perhaps they're talking about somebody like B4 from Nemesis, who we barely saw and then shows up later disassembled in a drawer. That's my best guess, but who the heck knows? I mean, we've got before, we've got uh, Lore, we've got Adam Sung, we've got Noonien Sung, we've got Alton Inigo Sung, we've got Eric Sung, and then of course we have Data. So he's played a bunch of Sungs, Data, Lore, and B4, basically. Well, whoever's the character he played in Enterprise... Uh, that was uh, that was Eric. Alton. Oh, was it Eric? Yeah, it was Eric. I think right. it, Alton it was Eric. Alton on, it was Alton on. I get those two yeah. mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uh, says that's a character that we that we've that we know, but we've never seen. 
Yeah. That's the interesting. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand that what he was saying. It's like, well, I guess that's part of it. We'll have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. So, Eric, you've got a story for us next. I have a great story. Uh, Nichelle Nichols of Star Trek to boldly go on a unique memorial space flight in 2022. On July 30th, the world lost one of its brightest lights when Star Trek royalty Nichelle Nichols, known around the galaxy as Communications Officer Lieutenant Nyota Uhura, passed away at the age of 89 in Silver City, New Mexico. Although she had been a tireless champion of human spaceflight and the recruitment of minority astronauts for decades, she never actually had the opportunity herself to travel into space while alive. But now her cremated remains will be headed into the heavens thanks to the Texas-based company Celestis, blasting off later this year atop United Launch Alliance's appropriately named Vulcan Rocket, Nichols' cremated remains will be accompanied by those of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, his wife Majel Barrett Roddenberry, feisty Star Trek engineer Scotty James Doohan, and 2001 A Space Odyssey visual effects wizard Douglas Trumbull, among others. The Enterprise flight will travel 93 million miles to 186 million miles into deep space beyond the Earth's moon, the Earth-Moon system. The memorial mission will launch more than 200 flight capsules containing cremated ashes, ash remains, special messages, and greetings, and DNA samples from global clients on a timeless odyssey into interplanetary space. Fans everywhere will be able to celebrate Nichols' life by submitting their names and tributes to her for free on Celestis' website. All names and messages received will be digitized and launched into the cosmos. So I think that that, uh, much in the same way that, uh, you know, a nice burial ceremony helps uh, bring resolution to people who care about those who have departed us, I think this uh, sending the ashes up into space will, will do the same thing. It seems very apropos, and it's kind of nice that she gets to ride on the same rocket as uh, Scotty and Gene himself. So uh, I'm excited about that. I hope that all goes well. And uh, the fact that they're actually going beyond the orbit of, uh, of even our moon kind of doesn't exactly count as deep space, but it definitely gets them out there and into the cosmos. So uh, really nice article, really nice tribute to, of course, a fantastic actress who we lost um, just not that long ago. So, uh, Paul, why don't you give us some Lower Decks news, huh? I will, I will. It's very timely, right? Jack Quaid on Star Trek Lower Decks crossover with Strange New Worlds. We've heard a little bit of rumblings about this, but between the show The Boys and Star Trek Lower Decks, Jack Quaid already has two successful franchises under his belt. However, Quaid's success as an actor has also given him the rare opportunity to portray his animated character, Brad Boimler, in live action. As part of the upcoming season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Quaid and his Lower Decks co-star Tawny Newsom will reprise their respective roles as Boimler and Beckett Mariner for a special episode. We're coming aboard the Enterprise, says Quaid. I won't get into the plot details of how exactly that happens, but we got to be on the physical set. We got to actually be in the bridge and the transporter bay and the hallways. We go all over the ship and interact with the amazing cast. There are some animated elements to the episode, but it's not like a Roger Rabbit deal where, like, there's an animated Boimler following Pike down a hallway. It's not like that. 
that was such an interesting challenge as an actor to take something that I usually do with just my voice, but then inhabit every bit of it. Quaid reiterated that Boimler will retain his signature purple hair in live action. He also indicated that both Mariner and Boimler admire the original crew of the Enterprise and confirmed that Star Trek The Next Generation's Jonathan Freaks directed the crossover episode. So Woo-hoo. this is uh, several times we've been hearing uh, news down this uh, same front before. So it sounds more and more like a firm deal, and we'll get to see that kind of uh, zaniness uh, on Strange New Worlds. So if you've only been watching Strange New Worlds and you haven't been checking out uh, – Lower Decks, this might be a good time to serendipitously start getting a little familiar there to add a little bit more of your appreciation for that ev- episode when it inevitably uh, transpires and airs. Jim, what do you got going on about Lower Decks, buddy? Well, I also I saw an interview with him, and he said that it is interesting because it's an animated series, so he does all the, the acting with his voice. The animators are the ones that come up with Boimler's um, appearance, his little tics, the way he walks, the way he moves, and his facial expressions and things like that. None of that is done by the actor. He just does the voices. And he said that bringing that character to life, he actually had to go back, watch the episodes to make sure that he had the facial expressions, Mm -hmm. that he had the nervous tics, that he had the, the gait, of Boimler as he was animated by the animators, because that's as much the character as the voice. And that's, that's interesting. So um, he he was really excited about bringing that character to real life. And he said it was a lot more work than he thought. So I'm really excited to see how that works. And Jim, we learned in this week's episode that his signature purple hair is not natural, right? (laughs) No, it is definitely not. (laughs) And for those of you who are Lower Decks fans and haven't had a chance to watch it yet, uh, you can watch Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 premiere Grounded for free in the U.S. of A. Just as they debuted the second episode of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Paramount Plus put the first episode up on YouTube for free. The episode Grounded will be available to stream on YouTube in the U.S. for free for one week. New episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks stream Thursdays in the USA on Paramount Plus and CTV Sci-Fi in Canada, where it's also available to stream on Crave. It streams on Fridays on Amazon Prime Video and international territories around the world. In Latin America, Lower Decks debuts both Season 1 and Season 2 in September. And that wraps up our Star Trek news section. Now it's time to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks Grounded. If you guys would like to join the conversation, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And um, before we get started, I just want to play a little soundbite to set up the episode for you. I'm Sylvia Rond, and this is FNN's continuing coverage of the destruction of Packwood Planet. What we know at this hour. Starfleet Captain Carol Freeman stands accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packlid capital, a place they call, quote, Big Strong City. The USS Cerritos remains in space dock, impounded for further investigation. 
Her crew on temporary leave while their captain stands trial. Why would Freeman do no this? No comment. What did you hear? No comment. Please. A little did respect. Hit Get that out of our way. And the latest shocking <laughs> development. New surveillance footage retrieved from the attack that appears to place Freeman on the ground at the time of the bombing. You know, I I just love Dr. Tahana. That's amazing. <laughs> she's just he so says funny. What we're all just, thinking. <laughs> You know, she's great. <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, we set it all up for you. And every week I ask you guys on our Facebook page, if you had a chance to meet us out at Chaconrogi, you heard me say that we always try to involve you guys, the fans, in this podcast as much as possible. Because without you guys, we're just a bunch of talking heads. And we want to hear from you. So every week on Friday, I will post on our Facebook page a question. And I will say, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, how do you grade this week's episode? And then I go through and I, I tally them all up, and we come up with an overall fan score, which is totally based on you guys. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Grounded? Well, uh, Brian Kane said a 9 for me. They packed a lot of stuff in as usual, but I think they cut out with the off-screen resolution to Freeman's trial. Voice cameos from Tim Russ and Kelsey Grammer would have nailed it. Thanks, Brian. Uh, J. Christopher Wagner gave it a nine. Quite an amazing storyline. Stephen Whalen said a 10 exclamation point. Steve Mitchell also gave it a 10. Shaggy Heck gave it a nine. Joe Manted said, at first, I'd have given it a solid seven, but after mulling it over and the ideas and thinking about it, I'm inclined to elevate that to maybe an eight. Thanks, Joe. Robert Akers gave it a 10. Top fan Sean Jr. gave it a solid eight. Live long and prosper. Martin Knott gave it a 10. And Louis Ramos said it was excellent, a higher quality than previous Seasons 10. So that gives us, Jim, a combined fan score for this episode of 9.3, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, that definitely is. And uh, this is the part of the show where Charles would do our cadet training. But Charles is off enjoying his vacation, so I'm going to attempt to step in and fill his shoes. All right, cadet training is when we give you guys a couple of episodes to watch that relate to the current episode. So if you guys are wondering who this was or who that was or where this reference came from, you can go back and watch these episodes and find the answers for yourself. So obviously, the very the very first one and perhaps the most obvious one is the movie Star Trek First Contact, directed by Jonathan Frakes. You, you definitely... You, 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 if you don't know the references from that movie, I, I don't know. But they're, they're all over the place. So if you want to find out what's going on, check out Star Trek First Contact. And we have a couple of episodes for you guys to tune into. The first one is TNG Cause and Effect. And you want to check that one out because Kelsey Grammer is in it. So you want to find out who he was or why he's in the episode, check out Cause and Effect. The next one is a TNG episode, Chain of Command. And uh, Edward Jellico 
is in this one. He's the captain that takes over the Enterprise, and nobody really likes him. But we find out what happened to him after this episode. So if you don't know who he is, go and check out this episode. So when we find out about him on Lower Decks, you can say, "Ah, uh-uh, that's the dude." The next one is a Deep Space Nine episode. If wishes were horses, and the reason why you want to check this episode out is because one of uh, Cisco's favorite archaic sports is baseball. And one of his favorite players is Buck Bokai, who played on the London Kings, or the London Knights. The London Knights. London Knights, yep. And uh, so, if you don't know who the London Knights are, you want to check out this episode, so when they're mentioned on Lower Decks, you'll be right in there. The there's also one, a Niners t-shirt in the episode as well. Yep, there's some great stuff. Uh, TNG episode, Peak Performance. This episode introduces Stratagema and uh, the Zach Thorn. So if you don't know who they are, check that out. And the last one I have on my list is an episode of TNG, the Neutral Zone. And in this episode, we meet a old country star by the name of Sonny Clemens. And uh, he wants to go out and hook up with, uh, with Data and get some low-mileage pit whoopings and go on the road. And uh, so... And TNG, that's what he says. Well, in Lower Decks, did he actually do that? I think the answer is pretty obvious. Yes, he does. <laughs> so you can check out those episodes for some clarification. All right, guys, are we ready to talk about Lower Decks? Let's do it. All right. So as usual, I have a couple of, of, um, of uh, sound bites that I pulled off the episode. To play for you guys because lower decks is only 23 minutes um it's they're very very short sound bites because i can't i don't want to play the entire episode but um i do have some, <laughs> some fun little clips to share with you guys and the first clip that i'm going to share with you guys is actually at the very beginning of the episode and uh it's called taste sweetness is what i named it i guess you can figure that one out Oh, I wish. No, we Boimlers dry grapes. Just dry them and dry them and dry them till they're all shriveled and hopeless and stuck on earth forever. Bradwood, all these varietals are so confusing. Take me to the privacy of the pickery shed and explain them to me. Come on, Mandalina. Red goes in the red bucket, white in the white. You know that. Mm. How did it take me a month to get the smell out of my hair? Hey, Bradward. Want to test the sweetness of my bushel? Ugh, fine, Genevieve. Just give it 43 more sun hours at 21 degrees bricks. Oh, okay. Edward, I'm soaked in juice and I need help getting naked. Just spray off with the hose, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's Boimler working working here on his on his uh, and he's not working on a on a vineyard like Picard. Like he said, they just dry grapes. They dry them and dry them and dry them. But it does kind of have that, that Picard vibe when we first see him. He's, he's picking the, the grapes and he's testing them. And they got the, the little ship flying overhead, just like we see in Picard. Uh, but he's growing raisins. <laughs> and all these, all these women that work on his vineyard, well, I guess it would be a vineyard, um, are throwing themselves at him. And he's just there with Beckett, like, oblivious to everything. And doesn't know what's going on. And I just, 
It just made me laugh, especially the last one. It was like so obvious, you know, I'm dripping in juice and I'm naked. And he's just like, hose yourself off. And he runs off with, with uh, Mariner. I thought that was just a hilarious way to start the episode. What did you guys think? Did you like that opening of the yeah. episode? I mean, when you first yeah. see him from the back, you immediately recognize the hat that Picard is wearing from his vineyards in All Good Things. And I, that I just, even before he turned around, you knew who it was going to be and you knew the reference. And then the fact that they twisted that into raisins instead of wine, hilarious, especially since he's got the purple hair. Like, is that why he has purple hair? Because he's a raisin farmer? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he, he heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> I knew you were going to flip that in there. <laughs> yep, I, I had to do it. <laughs> But I did, I did like the opening sequence, though. He was so in, in just entrenched in, in his raisin that he just, nothing else mattered to him until Boimler came. I mean, until uh, Mariner came. And then all I could think about was getting to the ship and rescuing the captain. You know, well, even it, even with these, with these juicy women that want to get naked, he just, just none of that mattered to him. It was, it it was totally just funny. Can- it's totally consistent with what we've seen from Boiler in the past, right? Because he, when he's on the Cerritos, he's all about business and he's all about being Starfleet. And so even when he's on vacation, he has no clue that these women are throwing themselves at him and he doesn't even care. He's like, nope, I just want to get out of here so that I can get back to the ship, get back to my job. And I love that about Boimler. He is a, the perfect um, – foil or opposite for Mariner, who of course is basically a loose cannon. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was, well, what did you think, David? Did you like that opening? Yeah, I especially liked the whole uh, detail in the fact that there was a fly flying around and I didn't even notice it was not going <laughs> to do anything. <laughs> the moment he's like, just like, running or whatever, it flies into his mouth and he, I, I not see that coming. I saw the fly buzzing. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, whoop. Yep. <laughs> For some reason, that got yeah. me laughing really hard. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I think it's because, like Eric said, they set up the whole Picard on the vineyard thing and the seriousness and, you know, checking the grapes and whatnot. And then there is this fly and it flies right into yeah. his mouth and that just opens the whole thing up to all these women throwing themselves at him, which is not what you expected <laughs> the way it started. It was perfect setup. Paul, did you get a chance to watch watch this episode? You know, I did. I did. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely am coming to Lower Decks, uh, let's just say, from a newcomer perspective, right? I, I have not... I've watched this most current episode, and I've watched the uh, finale of uh, the previous season. Kind of, you know, get up to speed with stuff. But uh, let's just say I'm still finding my way. I'm still... Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, comedy's kind of funny. Right. Well, I hope so yeah. when it works. When it works <laughs> uh, but comedy's kind of odd, right? And there's different tones of comedy. And uh, I'm, I, let's just say, I'm still uh, acclimating uh, to the tone of uh, Lower Decks, right? And uh, I know they really like their references, very referential to everything that's come before in Star Trek. Um, but I, I'm just trying to figure out where they're going past that. I mean, is that just it? Basically, a bunch of uh, you know references. To what's come before as the uh, funny for themselves is that this kind of the humor comes from recognizing 
previous things we've seen. I don't know. So I'm still getting used to it. I really enjoyed, I know you're going to talk about this in a little while. I really enjoyed the Bozeman stuff. Um, I thought that was for me, the, the, the most in, enjoyable stuff because the fact that they were able to get, you know, who to come back and reprise their role was, was great. You know, so I'm sure that's not always something that's easy to coordinate, but I thought uh, having a, uh, Zephram Cochran back on there was hilarious. So especially where, you know, what he ends up being, you know, his, his current life <laughs> down the road there. It's just like, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I think I, I'm way, you know, I think you guys have way more familiarity and uh, you know, recognizing a lot of the references of uh, previous, you know, for me, these characters are still, you know, super new and i just don't have a you know a lot a lot of familiarity with it yet i'm sure that will come over time but I, you know one of the things i think about about lower decks is that it's like us i i look at the lower decks like us like like if i was on the ship and i was boimler i would be doing the same thing it's like oh my god it's Jeffrey cochran oh my god it's this it's 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 tom paris i'm running around with a plate to get an autograph to me, it just seems like they are us. If we were in Star Trek, this would be us. We would be in total awe of everything, and we would know all the references and all the points because that's what Star Trek fans do. It's kind of like it's like a love letter to us as fans, and I think that's that's the appeal of the show to me. And I can't speak for anybody else, but that for me, that's that's what I enjoy about it. You know. And yeah, I would agree, Jim. I think for me, it's a um, you you finally get an alternate perspective because every single other show that we've ever seen for Star Trek is always told from the perspective of the senior officers, and that's all we really get. And every once in a while, we'll get an episode that contains some interesting minor characters, but they always interact with senior uh, senior officers, and so you're kind of always pulled back to. Uh, you know, the chain of command, the prime directive, da, da 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 And what this show does is it shows you that not everybody comes out of Starfleet Academy completely ready to be an officer. And they're, um, you know, they're kind of showing you how, I mean, obviously people like Boimler are ready to go, you know, officer material. But then you've got people like Mariner who have been around forever who have actually refused promotions because she doesn't need all that. Right. She likes where she is. She likes kind of like being in the trenches and, uh, and doing the things behind the other things. So uh, yeah, that I would agree. That's kind of why I like it because it gives me an alternative view. Uh, and of course the references don't hurt. Right. Uh, but I'll tell you that my 13 year old daughter loves this show and she doesn't know anything about Star Trek. She just likes the humor. She just thinks it's funny. So I feel like the show appeals to different fans based on kind of your own Star Trek experience. And then, you know, like Paul, maybe some of the, maybe for a lot of people, some of the humor just doesn't resonate. And I think that's okay too. It just, you know, you might get the references, but maybe you don't like the jokes. So nothing wrong with that. Well, like when we saw the 50 foot Spock skeleton, wasn't there, just, <laughs> didn't you just feel good that, that that was finally here it is. And for Resolution. real, at last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know who the 50 foot Spock is. You watch TAS. They ignored it. Well, not anymore because there it is. And you know, little things like that just 
make me happy as a fan. It just makes me chuckle because I know what the 50-foot skeleton is. When they're filling in canon in like little tiny bits here and there, right? It's not like they're giving us big, complicated stories (laughs) that, that fill in, you know, what happened between this and that. No. But what they do give us is they give us little tiny bits that are like, okay, remember that? Well, here's what happened. And they do that many, many times throughout the series. And, you know, like characters like uh, the outrageous Okana. Yeah, bringing him back was great. That was brilliant. We know where he is. You know, Captain Gomez or Ensign Gomez. We know where she is. Well, she's Captain now of the Archimedes, yeah. Right. Just Mm -hmm. little little things like that that fans that watch the show would say, oh, that's Ensign Gomez who spilled the hot chocolate on Captain Picard. And if you don't know who that is, it has no effect on your enjoyment of the show. But if you do know who she is, you just get a little chuckle because you know her history. And that's what I like about the show. They don't hit you in the face with it. it it's not relevant to the story at all. But if you're a fan, it just fills that little, that little canning gap there, which is great. We're, we have a little bit of canning gap to talk about tonight. So um, the next clip that I wanted to play for you guys is called The Bridge. Hey, 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 why don't you go out for a bit? We don't get home that often. You can maybe go for a walk, breathe some non-recycled air. Home for you. I didn't grow up here. I just meant Earth. It's rare that you get back here. Ugh, the longer I'm off a ship, the more useless I feel. Like that, like that big dumb red thing. Beckett, you know that's the Golden Gate Bridge. Nobody drives anymore. Why do you need a bridge? This planet's whack. People like the bridge. I like the bridge. <laughs> so. She, she's right though. What do we need a bridge no, for? Remember, we can beam. You know. I remember seeing the Golden Gate Bridge and seeing like hover cars going across the bridge back in one of the episodes, and I'm like, why do they need the bridge? Well, they address that. <laughs> they just like, yep. it. They like the way it looks. They, they, they like. It. I just, <laughs> I just that scene just made me chuckle when I was watching it, and so I just wanted to share that with you guys and see if it made you chuckle too. Um, well, you know, <laughs> and Jim, can I just mention one thing? Because I, I'm looking through the notes here, and I don't think we're going to mention this. So right after that scene, of course, the, the other admiral comes on and who talks to Mariner's dad. And did you catch what his name was? Uh, so, uh, um, his, uncle. She called him Uncle. Uh, uncle uncle I, Les uh, is what she called him. But his, but his right. last name was Buen Amigo, which – of course, in Spanish, is good friend, right? Yeah. <laughs> so oh. his name is Admiral Good Friend. <laughs> uh, <I>, okay, <laughs> love it. Oh, I just uh, I, I love I love that that whole scene. She's she's running around smashing everything in the house, and her father's like, "Hey, chill, chill. You can Check turn it off. The bridge. You don't have to you throw know? it at the TV. You can just turn it off." <laughs> I think that says a lot about her character. You know, she she doesn't want to be stuck on Earth. She wants to be out there doing something. She wants to be helping her mother. She doesn't want to be here. And she's got all this pent-up rage. And so she's smashing everything in the house. You know, she's all you hear is crashing. And you know you know where she, where she is and what she's doing. And the, the bridge gag, I thought, was great. Because we've seen the bridge uh, in quite a few. We, we see it in quite a few Star Trek movies. And episodes. Um, so even in the Kelvin universe in Star Trek 2009, we see the, the bridge. 
We see in Star Trek Four, the bird of prey almost crashes into the bridge. So the bridge is featured very prominently in Star Trek. Yep. So for them to address it like that, I just I just thought it was funny. No relevance, not a lick of relevance to the story at all. Just you know, a little point. But it's an explanation so, for something that you may have always wondered: Why do they have a bridge when everybody flies? Yes, or or <laughs> beams. You know, just beam from place to place. Right. You know, so the whole episode, this is very relevant to the episode. The entire episode is centered on Star Trek First Contact, um, Bozeman, Montana. And for those of you guys who don't know, Bozeman, Montana is where Zephram Conquered built the warp ship, and that's where his statue is. And Jordy alludes to the statue in the movie, and he goes, oh, your statue is over there, and you're holding up your arms and you're pointing to the stars and, and Zephyr Cochran's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he runs off in the woods and, uh, to get a drink. Um, so this is where the, where the, the, the main meat and potatoes of the episode happened. And when they reveal Bozeman, uh, this is how they do it on the episode. Didn't see the captain and Mr. Once in a Lifetime trip to historical Bozeman? Oh, you would have loved Bozeman. Oh, the reenactors. Oh, they got this replica Phoenix ride. You know, folks can just take it up into orbit. Uh. Wait, you can't transport us to space, but what about Montana? Hello, explorers, and welcome to the 21st century. We hope you enjoy yourself and make a first contact with fun. Oh, oh, they're just like the 21st century. It's just like post-World War III. Oh, my gosh. There's the crash in Fern Bar with its famous one-song jukebox. Look, there's the ship that the Vulcans came down in. Whoa. Can I try that? It would be a logical mod, too. Sorry, guys. We came for that. So, obviously, the first thing that you may have noticed is that is the theme from Star Trek First Contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, right out of the movie. And I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> right away. But the whole Bozeman, Montana thing reminded me of, like, Universal Studios. Like, I went to the Harry <laughs> Potter thing, and it was like, or, or um, uh, Back to the Future. And Doc Brown is there, and he his face comes up on a monitor, and he says, well, Biff just stole the time machine, and you have to go in there and make the flux capacitor do the flux and blah, 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 blah. And pretty much Bozeman, Montana is like the Universal Studios of the future. The whole thing was set up like a giant theme park. And I was just, I was just laughing, laughing, laughing at the whole thing because I could see it just like that, you know, with the, with the balloons and the jukebox and the whole nine yards. Uh, yeah, a theme park. I, I you know, and, and and we see the statue. The statue <laughs> is there. <laughs> and <laughs> right we hear there. James Cromwell's actual voice too. Yes, they actually got him back to reprise his role as Zephram Cochran. And we see the uh we see the Phoenix lifting off and going into space, uh, just like in the movie. Uh, it was it was very well done, I thought. It it it, it was funny. It reminded me of, of an actual modern-day theme park, but 
put in Star Trek. You know, and if they ever build that theme park, I am so going. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> I think that Bozeman, Montana, definitely has the work cut out for them now because now they have to do that. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Get tourism going on there. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that whole thing was great the way they did that. It just, well, it's it, it just it made me chuckle. And for my kid who, like I was saying, loves this show but doesn't have any Star Trek uh, frames of reference, that line that Rutherford says about it's just like post-World War III. She literally looked at me and she was like, World War III? And I had to kind of explain, like, that was the entry into me being able to explain to her how the utopian future of Star Trek comes about, about how they, you know, basically explaining the plot of First Contact, more or less. And it was really cool, because after I explained it to her, she was kind of like, oh, well, that's really interesting. And, and she kind of saw how it made sense that, you know, a a a common kind of breaking <laughs> breaking us down as far as we could possibly be broken down and then introducing this new ray of hope with the Vulcans coming to the planet, how that could actually turn an entire society around, which I think is kind of the, I don't know, to me, it's one of the base messages of Star Trek. Unfortunately, human beings seem to not be able to get together unless we have a common enemy or a common goal. And First Contact of all the movies, I think shows that the best. It shows that it takes us being completely broken down to nothing um, for us to be able to build ourselves back up into this society that no longer cares about money and that sort of stuff, but actually cares about scientific advancement and artistic advancement and every person contributing in some way. So it was, I don't know, I just liked that that one line that Rutherford says literally led into a 15 minute conversation with my daughter about the philosophy of human beings and what it takes to get us all to come together to do stuff. I, when they, when they actually board the Phoenix to go on their flight and then uh, Eugene shows up there, I forgot the character's name, but Rutherford. The, the, he, he just shows up and sits down there and they're like, Hey, dude, you, you better get on another Phoenix. And he's like, no. Oh, no, the no. Dude, that, that dude. The okay. dude, he's yeah. like, the, 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 the curator said that I'm the fifth person and I need to get on this <laughs> ship because there's only four of you. And Boyle was like, no, no you really name was Gavin. Gavin, yeah. We've all Gavin. been Gavin. And, uh, <laughs> blast off. and when they blast off, we actually, they actually, as Paul said, they actually hired James Cromwell to be Zephram Cochran. And when the ship blasts off and he says, oh, before we blast off, I have to do this. And he holds up the little green yep. uh, disc and he pops it in. And what are they playing? <laughs> Magic, Magic carpet. carpet right right now, baby. Contact. <laughs> and, and they're all sitting there in awe. And they're going, woo! And they're just sitting there in awe because, because there was that from Cochran on the first flight. And like, I'm like, dude, that would be me. I would be doing that would be me. You know, I would be sitting there in awe that I'm sitting there with Zephyr Cochran on the ship. That would be me. And and I just, that's what I love about the show. You know, as a Star Trek fan, I can relate to that moment completely because I would be doing the same thing. 
Well, I wouldn't be stealing the ship and taking off, but I mean, I would be in total <laughs> awe. You know, I love well, it. it. I love it. It's an, and it's an interesting point that Paul brought up. And Paul, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about this if you want to. But um, you know, what you said was like, is this show just references? Is that really as much depth as it has? And um, and obviously, the references is a lot of what we talk about. And the familiarity with previous Star Trek is a lot of what drives our personal enjoyment of the show. But but is there more to the show? I'd also be interested in hearing what David and Jim have to say. You know, I, I personally think that the show – okay, here's what I'll admit. The show doesn't necessarily try and take some big philosophical stance on big topics the way that TNG does or the way that TOS does. It doesn't kind of – do that but that's not what it's built to do it's it's built to um allow us to take all of the stuff that we've seen in star trek that we all kind of went eh, and and exploit that and have a little bit of fun with it so so yeah paul in the couple of episodes that you've seen have you found any more depth than just like reference 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 or not necessarily yet not a lot yet. I mean, I like the fact that they're they seem to be trying to do more stuff with like uh, Mariner and her mom, right? And I don't know that they've previously done a lot of their relationship. I would imagine in you know two previous seasons they must have. They did, you that. know, yeah. yeah. But but I, I felt like that was a good direction to go in for me. It was just like mm-hmm. have a little bit more care because. Like I look at like Boimler and other than being like you know hopped up and kind of nervous what is his character? Who is he? What is, what, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot to, you know, other than him just sort of reacting to things, right. And being all wiry and energetic. I I don't really get a sense of who he is. Right. So, um, so I like when they're, they're trying to maybe give a sense of, you know, who these characters are um, beyond just recognizing things or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like lip service to stuff and go, okay, here's the thing, another thing to recognize kind of a deal. And I'm like, okay, we, I could fill a book with everything you recognize from these episodes, but it's like, I don't know that, that they're other than like some psych gags. I'm just not seeing. Yeah. And again, I'm like, I'm, you know, kind of talking out of my armpit because I haven't seen most of these previous two seasons. Right. right? right. I, I watched the pilot when it first came out and it was just kind of, all right, well, I'm not a big Rick and Morty type of humor guy. I don't think this is for me. So I just kind of got busy and just didn't revisit it. Right. So, cause it seems like it's down that same kind of manic for manic sake kind of trail. And it's just, you know, like I said, humor is you know, personal, you know, it's uh, people have their own thing that makes them laugh and stuff. But I, for me to be engaged about it, you know, it, uh, just recognizing stuff isn't enough for me. Right. I'll get bored really quickly with that. And so I hope they're able to, do something. I mean, I love comedy. Oh my God. Don't get me wrong. Right. I love comedy. I just want them to differentiate themselves. So it's not just, you know, uh, like feeling like community theater, you know, doing, you know, like a retread of what we've already seen. Right. I think what, I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to put together, uh, you know, a half dozen episodes from the previous two seasons for, for Paul to check out because, uh, good points, absolutely. I do think that they have done a bit of character, character development in the past, um, particularly on Boimler and Mariner. Actually, everybody's kind of gotten their own uh, episode at, at one point. So if the, if the, 
if the characters themselves are at all compelling to you, I do think that there are episodes that have happened in the past that will kind of explain where they're coming from um, and, and kind of explain why they react uh, to the ways that they do. Jim and David, I'm curious, what do you guys think? Do you think that the show has kind of more depth to it than just the the constant stream of references? Because it does move very quickly, and you kind of have to watch each episode two or three times, even to catch the the references. But I'm curious if you think it actually goes a little deeper than that or not. Go ahead, David. Oh, yeah, I, I was thinking that the um, – the humor, I think, needs a little bit of, I guess, adaptation. You have to adapt to it, I guess. I mean, I'm sure there have been other countless of TV shows or cartoons that kind of had the exact same thing. And Paul uh, mentioned Rick and Morty. And I've actually never actually seen Rick and Morty, so I don't know I how don't like Rick and Morty myself. Like, I, I just think yeah. the show's trash. But I, even though this is by the same guys, for some reason, this one's different. But... That's just me. Okay. You say so, you, yeah. you do like Rick and Morty or you don't? No, no, no. I do not like Rick and Morty at all. Okay, I yeah. Like I, I watched a yeah. couple episodes years ago, and I just – it was just not my no. – does not, not my, I think it might have been a little generational kind of thing, but I'm like, you know, okay, I, I get that you owe a huge debt to Ren and Stimpy. Got it. Box checked. But there was nothing there. <laughs> you know, it was just like uh, – it's like I remember my first beer. Yeah. But, but I did nothing for me, man. I'm just like, this isn't uh, anything I would watch for to laugh at. But, so you know, well, Rick be, and I, I don't even know what that is. Well, that's fine. So what were you saying, David? Uh, well, I was just saying that um, the idea of uh, the different types of humor out there, uh, some people might get it, some people might not. But I can understand, like, how uh, uh, Jim was saying that, you know, he would probably do the exact same thing if he was ever there. And, I'm, and how it portraying to Star Trek fans is I think the crew of this uh, trio is actually Star Trek fans. They've seen every episode. So that's why Boimler seems to know about um, like almost every single <laughs> Everybody. topic of pretty much. And, um, yeah, I, I, I actually picture Boimler now as being a Star Trek fan and how he portrays to actual Star Trek fans of how they would react. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that actually makes more sense now. And so to me, I I like the lower decks mainly because of a lot of the jokes that they make. And if Star Trek ever would become comedy and not serious, this is what the series would be like. And to me, I've always wanted to see a Star Trek comedy. And I'm like, hey, it's finally here. It's good. It's, it's awesome. And it's, yeah, it seems like it's in a sort season and it's half hour shows and it's like what 10 episodes each so it's like you know it seems like short i wish it would have gone longer but i'm pretty sure they probably would have ran out of ideas for like uh the plot line stuff and i actually had a friend who was watching uh this with me one time and he for some reason this doesn't seem to be up his alley because he doesn't believe that this show is going to last very long with her plot line and the way that they just joke a lot with it. So I guess it's not really in his boat. But <laughs> uh, other than that, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I think the, the the references is probably the 
the heart of this series, I think. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you're going to get it. You're going to like it. If you're not a Star Trek fan, you're going to just kind of like probably not get it as much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think to Star Trek fans, this, this show is definitely there for the people who can get it. So and I, I think that's all I can say about it. Well, uh, speaking of references, let's go through it. So the first thing is, the names of the shuttles. We had Pinnacles, Joshua Tree, Redwood, and Death Valley. Eric, what do they all have in common? Uh, what do they? Well, they're all locations in Mon, are in the Southwest, right? Uh, is that what you're going for, or no? Well, well, <laughs> Pinnacles is a tree. Yeah, they're all trees, right? It, they're well, all trees. Not Death Valley, but yeah. Except for Death Valley, right? Yeah, that, that's a location yeah. in California. But I, but I definitely well, recognize the, I definitely recognize the Joshua Tree one for sure when that shuttle got flipped over. <laughs> As a U two album. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so this aren't they all national parks? They oh, could maybe be. they are. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that some of those sense. are Joshua Tree is a national park. Pin- Pinnacles is a national monument. Pinnacles was the one I didn't know. You're right, Paul. They're all yeah. I'm pretty sure there. that uh, those are all either national parks or national monuments. Yeah. Over so this Montana. introduces <laughs> something brand new, and that's the Federation News Network. This reminded me of RoboCop. If you guys remember RoboCop. <laughs> totally. <laughs> RoboCop did the same thing with the OCP report. Um, and in this case, it's the Federation News Network. And when the episode first starts, the first minute and a half of the episode, which is why I had to watch it so many times, while they're giving the recap and you're watching what's going on, there's a little ticker tape that's running along the bottom of the screen. <laughs> and right along the bottom of the screen is where all the information that you want to catch is there. So yep. um, I have it all for you if you missed it. Uh, I'm about to tell you what it said. First thing it said, Almogelico bans the Zebulon sisters from active duty starships. You guys remember who the Zebulon sisters are? They were the Choo Choo okay. sisters that, that um, Boimler and uh, Mariner wanted to go, go and see last season. And they were all excited because they added a third Choo. So it was choo-choo-choo. Choo-choo-choo dancers, right. Choo-choo-choo <laughs> dancers. And that, those were characters from, uh, that we never got to see, but uh, they were on their way to a concert, and they, it just disrupted the starship completely. So Admiral Jellico banned them, and Admiral Jellico is actually Captain Jellico from the Chain of Command episode of TNG, so you can find out he made it to the Admiral. Uh, the next one, that scrolls along the bottom says Buffalo Solar Knights eclipse London Kings in ELDS game one. London Kings is a baseball team that Bokai played on. That was, uh, as I said earlier, uh, Captain Cisco's favorite baseball team. ELDS, I'm assuming, is Earth Earth League Divisional Series. I think yeah, I don't Earth know. League Divisional Series. That was my guess as well. That would be my guess, and so. They're still playing baseball, and uh, that's that reference. The next thing that um, shows up across the bottom of the screen says, six-year-old Zach Dorn, the youngest Stratagema Grandmaster ever appointed. Now, Zach Dorns are the people with the melty faces there from the, epi- from, uh, the episode Peak Performance. Um, 
that data challenge. It's that game where they put those little things on their fingers and wiggle their fingers around. Yeah. And Pulaski is in that episode, matter of fact, is she bets on data to win and data loses. And then data comes back later and plays to a tie and the strategy guy can't beat him. That's the game. And that's a Zach Dorn. So if you want to see what Stratagema is and see who the Zach Dorn are, check out TNG's peak performance. And uh, the next one is a stampede at Sonny Clemens' concert. Now, Sonny Clemens is a country star that wanted to get a couple of low-mileage pit whoopies and take off with Data. And uh, he tells Data that episode that all of his stuff is new because no one's ever heard it. And he's going to go back out on tour. Well, obviously, he did because he's still touring and and there was a stampede at his concert. So that's who Sonny Clemens is. You guys can check out the episode Neutral Zone for more information on him. And the last one that that you'll find is Captain Morgan Batesman and his crack security team. Now, Captain Morgan Bateson, he is the guy from cause and effect, comes through the wormhole and, and is flying that that the reliant class, the Bozeman yep. ship. And uh, so now he's the head of Starfleet security and he goes on this mission to, to prove the innocence of Captain Freeman. And that's played, where he played by from. who Jim played by who that's important. Kelsey Grammer, of course. That's right. So uh, you guys can check out all those episodes to find out what the references there. And you know what? If you don't know them, who cares? Doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the episode at all. <laughs> um, so another reference in this episode, which we saw right from Deep Space Nine, is we see Cisco's Creole Kitchen, and uh, that's an actual restaurant that we see on Deep Space Nine, and they run just by brought Cisco's it back. dad. Yep, Cisco's dad. And while, when they go in the restaurant to eat, they have Ketracel white hot sauce, and Boimler puts. <laughs> Put a little drop in his food, and and his face is turning red, and he passes out. And uh, and over there's Mariner, and she's just shaking it on, 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 shaking it on. And she eats it, and she says, "Oh, it's got a little kick." It's got a little kick. And Boiler's passing out from the heat. And Ketracel White, of course, was the drug that the Dominion used to control their soldiers. The Jem Hadar, that's and right. Course, and that actually, that reference actually led to another 20-minute conversation with my daughter about who the Jem Hadar was and what, <laughs> and what the whole <laughs> Dominion War was on TS9. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as Eric already said, Boimler dyes his hair purple, but we never find out the true color of his hair because the law cuts out beforehand. Uh, we do see Space Lab Regular One, well, a Space Lab Regular One type station. From Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, we do see 3D chess being played again, which is played on quite a, a lot of Star Trek shows. And the last, uh, I guess, reference is Tuvok uh, yeah. is shown in this episode. So uh, those are all the references that I found or that I noticed. Maybe there's others that I missed. If I did, just go to our Facebook page and let me know. Uh, Charles. We'll, we'll start out with our score since Charles isn't here. Charles gave this episode a 9 out of 10 for this episode. How about you, Eric? What would you grade it? 
Yeah, I, I can't disagree with Charles. I liked this episode quite a bit. I like how Lower Decks has a serial nature to it where there are consequences from the past that pay off in the future. I love that the Packlids are still part of it and kind of always in the background of what's going on. And, of course, the references were just uh, just a ton of fun. So I, I laughed multiple times watching this episode. I watched it three times myself and, and really enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it a nine as well. A nine. That's two nines. How about you? How about you, David? One to ten. Oh, man. This episode. Uh, I think you guys already know what I'm going to give it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to give this episode a ten. I really liked it. I liked the beginning. I liked the middle. I liked the end. Can't wait for the whole season to be done with. And so <laughs> it's going to be really fun. <laughs> a ten. And how about you, Paul? One to ten. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm still not uh, acclimated enough to it to really have much perspective. So I, you know, I would I'd give it like, I guess, like a seven or something. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, the, the the drugs just haven't hit my system yet. Let's just put it that way. And I'm not like finding, I'm not getting it. You know, it's just like sometimes where you're like, I don't get it. I mean, like with people, you know, some people didn't get Game of Thrones. Some people didn't get whatever. I don't get Lower Decks yet. So it's just I don't get the... Well, you know what? The appeal beyond going, oh, I recognize this. That's the thing from that, right? It's other than recognizing stuff. I just don't see what the appeal is because it's just not really funny for me. But, you know, I'm sure that will change as I get more exposure to it and uh, become acclimated. But I'm just not, uh, I'm just not there yet. I'm still a newbie. Well, I, I, I don't want to give it a 10 because I already watched the Martok episode that was on tonight. So uh, I don't want to give it a 10, but I will give it a 9, uh, 9.2. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I was laughing, laughing, laughing. And as I said, I, I relate to these characters because this is me. I would be Boimler. That would be me. I would be there just like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's Deep Space Nine. Oh, my God, it's Martok. Oh, my God, it's right. I would know all the references, like David said, because I'm a Star Trek fan. So one of the things that appeals to me about the show is something that they don't do on the live action shows. And that on this show, the Lower Decks crew knows everything that we know as Star Trek fans. And that's, that's an angle that I, that I like about this show because, you know, you never hear a character like, say, on Strange New... Well, that's not a good example... Maybe a character on, um, you know, on TNG mentioned, you know, Dax on Deep Space Nine or whatever. It's like even though they're in the same universe, they're still separate. They really don't acknowledge, you know, each other or the events that happen where on Lower Decks, Ah. common knowledge. I mean, like. So, Jim, what you like about this show then is you like the fact that it's breaking the fourth wall. Pretty much, yeah. It, 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 they, they acknowledge that Star Trek exists and that these things happen. And I just, I just like that. So, yeah, you like it when you know. that barrier that normally is there between audience and characters is kind of temporarily removed, right? I, yeah. And they I'll deliver they, references that are intended for us specifically as audience members. Right, but they don't address exactly. the audience. So they, so it's like the third and a half wall because they don't actually, right. ad- they never address the audience. But they do bring in yeah, things that only the audience cool. should know. They don't. But they're the they're they're removing that wall that separates the story within their episode from all the backstory and context of it being a franchise that we're familiar with. 
Correct. Exactly. And a lot of and a lot of cool television these days is starting to do that. I mean, okay. uh, you know, people have different opinions on She-Hulk, but that's a show that I've been watching that does that all the time, right? She's constantly addressing the audience. I love I like that. that. I love that too. I love that show too. But yeah, that's what I like about so... it. That's what I really, I I really like about it is that particular fact that the, all the other shows ignore the fact that we're all Star Trek fans. We know who Captain Jellico is. We know what Spock is. We we know all of these things. And on Lower Decks, we can enjoy the fact that they're acknowledging that we acknowledge it and know it. I just, I can relate to that and I like it. But but like you said, yeah. it, it's in a, maybe it's not your type of thing. Maybe it's not your humor. That's okay too. But I, I happen to really enjoy that style. And being animated, I think they can get away with that. Whereas on a live action show, I'm not sure if it would play the same as it does on any. Yeah, that's series. kind of why I'm a little kind of lukewarm on the whole crossover with Strange New Worlds. I don't know <laughs> no, how that's right? going to play out because it feels to me like that's maybe one step too far. But I don't know. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to wait. We have we have a whole year to wait for that. Um, but, uh, well, no, actually, no. We are going to see Captain Pike animated on Lower Decks this season. So we don't have to wait that long. No, we're going to see it now in this the the season that just started. We're going to see the animated Captain Pike. So that's Mm. cool. Mm. Anyways, guys, that wraps up our show for tonight. And I want to let you know that there will be no show on Monday because it's Labor Day here in the United States of America. But next Monday, we are going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, Stargazer, um, issue number one on Comic Corner. Same bat time, same bat channel. Yay! Thursday we'll, we'll be talking about the episode of Lower Decks, which is on tonight with General Martok, which I'll tell you right now, I happen to love. So we'll talk about that in great detail next Thursday. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to Ray from the Bronx for giving us a call tonight. It's great to hear from Ray. And, of course, we hope that Charles is enjoying his vacation, and he'll tell us all about it when he comes back. We miss you, Charles. Thank you so much to our very own David for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been fun. I like Lower Decks. It's really fun to talk about it. And, of course, thank you so much to Paul, the toy guy, for hanging out <laughs> with us tonight. Thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure, man. Thanks, bro Chachos. It, it, it's always fun. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Oh, man, you guys helped me turn my mood around quick. Thank you so much. I had a great time. <laughs> and, and if Suzanne is listening, if she's doing the, her meds on her, on her run tonight, I want to say thank you so much to you for listening to us all as well and for keeping all those people happy and keeping our medical uh, field running. Thank you so much to Suzanne if she's tuned in tonight. We really appreciate all the work that you do. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And as I always say, Star Trek fans are the best fans, and you better believe that. And please, everybody, be good to each other and stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, all Night. Night, all Let's see what's out there. Engage. Thank you.